0: the difference between a person who's just a millionaire and I divide it into conventional and conscious approaches to business. So conventional is basically it's about the money and the profit, And that's a great thing, but it's not necessarily about doing anything that truly matters. It's more about how do you develop a product and service and figure out how to market to people as opposed to how do you positively uplift your client and in the process uplift humanity and make this a better place and then your your service or your product is accomplishing both of those so it's about creating uh, an an unlimited amount of impact and turning that impact actually into the money so the reason people buy from you as a conscious entrepreneur it's very much in alignment with this typically an internal purpose that you have some kind of a difference you want to make in the world. And out of that comes a service or product that creates that result. And that's the reason people buy it. But it, it achieves those twofold, uplift humanity and make money and put it in the bank.
1: Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast, where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Whiteout Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human. Today, we have JV Crum III, who's going to join us. He's the founder of consciousmillionaire.com and the world's number one limitless mindset expert. He unlocks the minds of six and seven figure entrepreneurs so they can put more money in the bank and massively impact humanity. J.V. has built and sold companies, is an attorney, is a 34-time number one international best-selling author. He created the Global Mindset to Millions event and hosts the Conscious Millionaire show heard by millions in 190 countries. Welcome, J.V. Thank you for joining us.
0: Well, Chris, uh, first of all, thank you because you've been on my Conscious Millionaire show and that was such a great interview. And it's just a pleasure to know you. And Just my kudos to all the things that you've accomplished, and it's an honor being here.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's interesting reading your bio and looking at your bio. It's the conscious millionaire, but the millionaire sometimes takes precedence over the conscious part. Can you describe to me what a conscious millionaire is and why it's so important to have the conscious part?
0: Yeah, so absolutely. And I really think it's the future. Um, Not only do I think, I also hope that it's the future of where we're we're headed in terms of as a planet. And to me, the the difference between a a person who's just a millionaire and I divide it into conventional and conscious approaches to business. So conventional is basically, it's about the money and the profit. And that's a great thing, but it's not necessarily about doing anything that truly matters. It's more about how do you develop a product and service and figure out how to market to people as opposed to how do you positively uplift your client and in the process uplift humanity and make this a better place. And then your your service or your product is accomplishing both of those. So it's about creating uh, an, an unlimited amount of impact and turning that impact actually into the money. So the reason people buy from you as a conscious entrepreneur, it's very much in alignment with this typically an internal purpose that you have, some kind of a difference you want to make in the world. And out of that comes a service or product that creates that result. And that's the reason people buy it. But it, it achieves those twofold, uplift humanity and make money and put it in the bank.
1: So in a lot of ways, this is a win-win kind of situation. Where
0: well, I look at it as a win-win-win. It's you, it's the client, and it's humanity all being uplifted and all being better off at the same time.
1: So this really is sort of like the top level of enlightenment, right? And and we often operate on a bottom level of, of enlightenment where where it's you or me kind of thing. Oftentimes, that's the way that society seems to work, where this is what I do. I mean, this is like Aristotle, I think, right? What I do for my community is what I do for myself.
0: Well, it's interesting you bring that up, because in in my book, I start off in chapter one, conscious moving or grow your business by making a difference. So you already have the theme right there. And I said, well, really, the first stage, I like to think in three. So I go the first stage of of entrepreneurship and the first stage of capitalism was really all about how do we understand the mechanics of making money and getting to the bottom line? So increasing sales, but that's where it ended. And then the second stage, which is what conscious millionaire, a lot of uh, different approaches, are, were really all about the same thing. And it's about the triple win of you, others and humanity. So in that first version, it's very ego based only. And it's a win-lose. It's not a win, even a win-win. It's a, there are a hundred marbles in the bag and your goals get them all, right? And, and if nobody, and of course, it's, it's thoughtless in a lot of ways, because if you, once you start understanding a conscious approach to business, where you, others and humanity are all winning, and then you realize the synergy of all that is going to make you more money, in fact. You know, is that in this first version, you're pretending that somehow if you put everybody out of business, you'll be better off. And if all your suppliers make as little money as possible, and by God, don't play your employees too much either, right? That actually you win. But it's only because uh, you're coming in that first model from a scarcity or lack mindset. So you believe there's never enough of anything. And that's the only reason you feel a need to compete once you understand and you move over to the second stage and you come into what I call not just abundance but limitless abundance. Which I actually believe is the actual natural state of everything on this planet, and if you look at nature nature's living in limitless abundance. Right, and it's also living in balance. And you look at biomimicry, and and then if you do ban- manufacturers like biomimicry, you don't have waste. So once you move over here, and you go, wait a minute, I don't have to compete for customers because all the right customers, if I send out the message, if I call to them, I look at it like calling almost evangelically, and I don't mean evangelically in some, you know, fundamentalist religious way. I mean, but you're an evangelist calling out to people to come so that you can solve their problems in a way that uplifts them and puts them in a better place. And by golly, if they go out in the world and they're in a better place, humanity will be in a better place because every, all their interactions are better off. Now you've got limitless abundance because it's all based on how much value you can deliver. And the last time I checked, there's no limit on the amount of value each of us on this planet and together could possibly deliver.
1: Do you see this as as evolutionary? The, yes. the start of how, how does the evolutionary part work in terms of where we are, where we're going, uh, what we're doing? I mean, we've seen a huge gulf between the very rich and the very poor right okay. now, and which in some ways is is some of like what Marx had talked about, right? And that 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 we get this huge gulf, and that eventually the the rich will have to the, the pre the before the revolution is that you have to actually have to support the poor before the revolution and then and then there's this worldwide revolution so where where does this all fit where well it's do-
0: kind of kind of interesting because i'm i'm a philosopher type my minor was in philosophy in in undergraduate and when i started out working on conscious millionaire when it came to me it was an it is an inspired thought actually in a hot in a hot tub we're all inspired thoughts should but i go if they ever do the movie they ought to add a bottle of you know cabernet because i actually wasn't drinking at the time it'd make the story more interesting um and so here comes this thought conscious millionaire and i see it on my forehead and i got a tingling in my spine and i had at that point been for about three years looking for my calling and in that one moment what was less than 60 seconds was that like a like that, I knew that this was what I was supposed to be doing. Didn't know what it was, but I go, Oh my God, that's so cool. So what's that going to be? And this
1: specifically talking about conscious millionaire or.
0: Yeah. So it just came to me as a flash. And then when I was working on the, on the first book, I'm working on another book right now. And um, I knew that I was creating a philosophy. And so one of the things, 320-page book. so it was actually every time I'd have a new change of thought, which was happening all the time when I write. Right now, I'm now in this new stage with my new book, Conscious Millionaire, Your Seven Money Mindsets, and that's still happening. But where I'm in an early stage, and it's going to be a shorter book. But with 320 pages, every time I'd have a shift, I had to think through the entire book and go find anything that might be contrary to that. Because what was critical to me is I said, you're founding something that's going to be a big philosophy. Every sentence must be consistent within this book. And that actually took a lot of work. But that's how I figured out that for me, because I'd already gone and lived at a Buddhist monastery, lived at Esland. So for me, this is about the evolution of consciousness on this planet. And as we move in this direction of all of us winning together, that's a very different consciousness. That I'm going to outcompete you to see how I get a bigger house. That's a very different philosophy because it also is about unity and oneness. And that we're all we're not just in the game together; we are the game together.
1: Well, this is coming from the Buddhist teachings as well, right?
0: Well, yeah. So I am I am definitely. Uh, influenced by the the under not just the intellectual understanding, but where I first started experiencing it, and now I just experience it because it's how how I've evolved um, was through meditation to having that insight, not just intellectually but experientially of oneness. That I started experiencing oneness, and I'm going oh, so I'm kind of onto something here. So this is this is showing me that that I and the plant that I'm looking at are, are actually one, but it's not just an idea, it's an experience. And when I started having that experience that I'm going, oh, this is a whole different approach to, to everything. And then when I started deciding, well, I want to work with entrepreneurs, but I want to take them in a different direction. That's, that's when the conscious millionaire came up. There's It's not just about making money. It's about evolving ourselves because on the journey of becoming a conscious millionaire. And that's a concept and it can be a conscious billionaire. It, it's not limited to this one one million. Uh, it's really more a way of doing business and approaching your life. But you're the one as the entrepreneur that has to grow and evolve consciously in order to take that journey. So I see the journey itself as a spiritual journey.
1: It's a spiritual journey. What's the role of money in this? I mean, the, as I said in the beginning, like the millionaire part jumps out at you and, and so many people, okay, if I were a millionaire, then my life would be easier or whatever, you know, like what's the role of money and the representation
0: of money? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think that money is a means to an end. And I think when you start looking at how to build your business, where the first question is, how do I make that impact? not how do i hook somebody to buy something from me which is kind of the conventional question is like oh how are we how are we going to get the marketing right so people buy from us well you in the conscious business you still have to get the marketing right it's still a, a uh in, uh it's still a marketplace we've got a lot of ideas and your idea has to uh, attract someone but all of a sudden it's about money both being made so the old model is you make money and then you use it for good and put some money in nonprofits. But how you made the money doesn't have to have any goodness to it at all.
1: Sure, Robert Barron kind of concept.
0: Yeah, so you can sell cigarettes. I I use that because I I don't mind offending those people. They'll never be on my show. They'll never sponsor the show. So if they hate me, it's okay. But I think they ought to be out of business personally. So there you're just making money, but you might take the money and do something good with it, right? So for instance, I went to Wake Forest, and what, unless you went to Wake Forest, have no reason to know this, but Wake Forest was built by the Reynolds Tobacco Company. So they made money selling cigarettes, killing people with cancer, and built this wonderful university, right? That's, if you look at the history of the United States, most of the things that were built Came out of money that actually might have caused harm, but then they did something good. So, at the conscious business level, so the conscious millionaire approach is that your business, in and of itself, is selling services and products that have intrinsic value that uplift people. So, it does good by existing and selling these to people. And in addition, I have a nonprofit, a global nonprofit. So ultimately, most of the money I make will go to the global nonprofit, but I made it from doing something good as well. That's the conscious model. And the conscious part
1: occurs on both the company level and on the individual level, right? I mean, the conscious part with the individual is is making this decision to move forward and sort of moving into this point of leaving the the world of being a victim. Hmm. And 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 actually moving toward being responsible for your not not necessarily for your actions, but for your path, which is which is kind of an interesting thought in that the victim side can be a little bit more comfortable sometimes in that we have someone to blame. That if if things aren't going right, then it's my boss's fault. Hmm. But On the conscious side, you're taking responsibility for where you're going. So you are ultimately responsible for the direction that you're going. How does that, how do you get people to to leave sort of the paradoxical comfort of being a victim and make that conscious decision?
0: Well, there are many ways I think I could answer that question. I see my role uh, is inviting people to go down the conscious rabbit hole. Uh, And the movie Matrix very much informs how, because I'm a mindset expert, very much informs how I see mindset, very much informs how I see my role with companies. Um, People ultimately want to make more money. That's why they pay me high fees to work with them, right? But in the process, they're choosing to work with me because they want to unlock some things inside of them. And they buy into this idea of a conscious approach, or actually, I won't take them as a client because I don't want to work with people who say want to use their employees as opposed to it. it, You know, it's almost an insult to me, this whole concept of human resources, right? It's like, people as assets, well, whatever happened, I just cut a, cut a show that's coming out in a couple of weeks on love mindset. And, and I'm talking about loving your clients and what a different approach that is that if you genuinely love and have compassion and empathy for your clients, as opposed to just see them as a source of putting some money in your bank, those are very different approaches. And I said, by the way, if you love your clients, they're going to love you as well. And you know, and, the, and they'll probably want to stay with you a lot longer because who doesn't want to stay with somebody who's helping them get their problem solved? And by the way, they love them as well. And they treat them like family. It's like, what a concept. Uh, so I think that the, 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 one of the real differences is uh, someone as a founder and CEO of their business like at conscious millionaire, all the people who work with me or provide services to me, they buy into what we're doing. They believe in what we're doing, right? And they want to be a part of that. And so it really, really, this is about business as a movement uh, for good and for changing the world and for changing people's lives and for changing organizations, you know, whomever you have as your clients. And that's a very different approach to business as well. And it's much more exciting and joyful that you're doing something that makes a difference in the world. At the end of the day, I think most people, if they're doing something that they feel is meaningful, will go the extra mile, much more so than if they're just looking to put money in the bank. That's not such an exciting journey, actually. Especially when you can put money in the bank and do something good and feel good about it and feel, you know, like at the end of the day you're fulfilled and you helped other people get fulfilled.
1: Well, it's yeah, it's 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 having a mission, having your sense of why, which really is the thing that's visceral, right? I mean, that's not that's not intellectual. It it really is part of heart
0: based. Yeah, it's heart based.
1: It, it is. It is. It's heart based, and and so to be able to communicate that with people it's interesting you mentioned you mentioned the matrix and how many times have you seen the matrix about
0: 40 times and i own the script as well it is so i've kind of like taken a course called the matrix right i've been studying this for years
1: and 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 to look at at the conscious millionaire part of the conscious millionaire is, is is really simple i mean as an athlete for me if you do the basics, well, you are most likely going to be successful. When you have a problem, you return to the basics. So, so to talk about conscious and focus and action, I mean, it, it, it's not earth-shattering in some ways, but the earth-shattering part is achieving this sense of simplicity. Is that part of what appeals to you within the matrix? I'm looking at like, you know, bullet time and things like this heightened sense of perception. That that we is that part of the goal as well
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting nobody's asked me that question about the matrix so i appreciate it uh, i am finding you know here i am writing this new book and and the first thing i realized I, I just wrote the first part and i started on chapter one i thought what a place to start let's start on chapter one uh so let's introduce it all and it's been, you know, eight, eight years since the, the first book came out. And what I realized, and, and, and now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing there's a second part to it, is I wrote about a page, and, and it's really simple, short sentences, very clean. And I said to myself, I stopped and I said, wow you are so much better writer than when you started the first book. But I'm realizing it isn't just writing. I am living a life that's increasingly about simple, 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 simple essence. Uh, when I'm working with clients, you know, at the end of every session, I ask them all the same question. What, what was most valuable today? Now, they have different kinds of companies. There are different stages or different levels of conscious development. It is rare that everyone doesn't say this is at least one, and they might come up with two or three things, but they always start with, oh, I'm so much more clear. Yeah, because we got rid of the noise from the questions I asked, and now there's clarity. And in clarity, clarity is always, to me, very, if clarity is like two or three words and you, you have it. You don't need pages. It's like, oh, now I get it, right? And I, I think in many ways, that's what I do with people's minds is that I unlock them. But in the process of unlocking them, we get through all this noise and miswiring that's going on. It's like wires are all over the place. Like I'm working with a new client and um, it's really clear to me what's going on is they're wired that it's not okay to receive. Well, this ca- causes a lot of problems in building a business, but guess you what?
1: receive what? what is that uh,
0: to receive period because what i what I, when, once i realize you know typically because it's a business we're working on receiving money but receiving money is receiving love receiving relationships receiving adoration you know that what i find is that when a mind is set up that way and by the way almost everybody's mind is set up that way at some level it's just it might be at a higher level but to go to another level financially almost always requires you to allow yourself to receive at a higher level. It isn't that you have to have the greatest new strategy, but you've got to be able to visionarily see a bigger vision, but you've also got to see an experience energetically, not just in the mind, but in the emotions that it's possible for you to receive more. And then change your identity so that you're a person, you know, like right now, I'm looking for uh, some billionaires to work with. So uh, that's, that's kind of like a new project. And and I'm realizing very quickly, it's kind of a category of one, because most people don't work with billionaires to do the kind of work that I'm doing. And they don't charge a million dollars for doing it, which I've decided is clearly what it's worth, given the results I can get. But I'm going, I have a model of a One to five, but ideally one to three billionaire who wants to go to 10. So I've been modeling, I'm going, this is no different than somebody who's one to three million who wants to go to 10 million. It's actually the same process. The entire reason that this person, so most people go, oh, well, that's so much money. I go, yeah, but it's not 10. You know, the reason they're, say, at 1 billion and not 10 is they actually have a one billionaire mindset. And that's the problem right there. And until they unlock it and they have to change their identity and they have to change their receiving and they have to change their vision. Until you change all that, you can throw all the strategies you want, but you'll probably keep it out. You'll probably stay in a plateau or a slow growth because you have to literally change who you are. You know, when I was five years old growing up in a family, we didn't have any money, and I decided I'd be a millionaire. And then I got there at 25. Uh, the joke to me is that people go, Oh my God, you got there so young, especially when I got there. People, you know, now at 25, they've made their first billion. But I said, Well, not really. For 20 years, I'd been reprogramming myself that I was supposed to be a, a millionaire rather than living in a little town of two or 300 people where nobody had money. I said, I've been changing my mindset about who I was. And it's because I changed my mindset that I figured out how to manifest it. The manifestation does not come first. You come first.
1: How much of that? So and, and
0: that's true in sports as well. It's no different, right?
1: Oh, no, no. It's, I mean, you talk about visualization. Visualization is a huge part of sport. and. But being... it's
0: also emotionalization.
1: It, imagining yourself in that position. And, being... and feeling it. Because you're talking about the same thing in in both things, where where allowing yourself to receive mm-hmm. is 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 essentially visualizing that next and feeling that next that next step. What we know is often really comfortable. And then you talked about yourself as a, as a young kid, as a five year old, saying I'm going to be a millionaire, being in a in a small town, not having an having much money, but also you're, did you think that you were different? I mean, you also are part of the Mensa society, right? So, so as I, but I
0: I didn't know that back then.
1: Well, you had to know some of it back then, right?
0: No, my parents would always say you're, you're smart enough to do anything you want. I didn't know that meant X, right? And by the way, up until in the seventh grade, when we moved to the town with 20,000 people in it. I was actually put in remedial classes and labeled as stupid. I had bad grades. Uh, I now know it's because I was bored to death with these country school marms who were, were, were not challenging me to say the least. I'd have my homework done, I'd have my schoolwork done by 12, and then I'd run around the class, which, you know, for three hours because I had nothing to do. So I got sent to, I'm actually proud of this. I, You know, I so few people can make this claim in the fifth grade alone. I got sent to the principal's office nine times, you know, and I'm thinking there took a little bit of art form for that, that I probably should appreciate it, that it because that because then I'd come home and every day my mom would go, did you get sent to the office uh, today? And I go, no, ma'am, but ask tomorrow. (laughs) Literally, I would say that to her. That kind of irritated her a little bit. Um, but it was true, (laughs) and then they'd send me to the office again, so I was in this remedial classes with remedial teachers, and uh, at the end of the seventh grade, in fact, when my dad died, I had to go through, you know, the whole house, I'm an only child, and I found my seventh grade report card, and it it wasn't good, and I made a decision, there had to be a trick to making an A, now, I went from being the seventh grade labeled stupid remedial classes to being the 4.0 valedictorian because I made a decision at the end of the seventh grade. I didn't like this story at all. I didn't want to spend another year in these kind of classes with these kind of teachers and these kind of students. I was going to find a new path. That to me is what unlocking your mind is about because that really was a mindset journey. How do you do that?
1: How do you change that story? Because even though you're only seventh grade, right, you're 12, you're 13 years old or something, it's fairly ingrained in you. And you make a conscious, to use your word, conscious decision that you're going to change that. How do you go about affecting that change?
0: Yeah. So I think the first step uh, for everyone um, is that you have to come to a point of deciding that how I'm showing up, really, even though I didn't know those words, not I hadn't read personal growth books or anything, but how I was showing up and how I felt about it and my didn't feel like who I wanted to be. And I made the decision, this is not going to be me. And I spent two years figuring out how to make an A. There were no trainings. And then 10th grade, I started you know, high school, because that's when we started uh, when I was going to school. And um, at the end of the first semester, I and when I tell the story, I know exactly where I was standing in the school halls. I opened my report card and I had a 4L. And within probably two seconds, I looked at it. I'd never thought about being the valedictorian or anything. I said, I'm going to be the valedictorian. And then I did something and I, I, I. I Today, we call it PR, we call it media. I went around school and I told every student in every class and every teacher that I was going to be the valedictorian. It's like I put people on notice. Don't even think about it. This is mine.
1: Well, you also put yourself on notice as well. I did. Right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I put, I, like, right now, um, I'll tell you the thing I'm telling people. And it's interesting the responses that are happening is that I'm saying 10 years from now, I'm going to be worth 100 million. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm nowhere close to 100 million right now. And first of all, I want you to know you're listening, doesn't bother me in the least. And nor do I even have the slightest inkling oh my God, what if I fail? Nope, not part of my mindset. I am telling everybody, and here's what's happening people are wanting to get on board. It's as if it's already happened because I'm going, this is where I'm going, right? And then they want to be associated with me because, oh my God, I'm going to 100 million, maybe it will rub off on them or whatever. And it will, because it's a way of thinking, first and foremost, that I've simply decided that's what I'm going to do.
1: It's an exciting journey, right? I mean, we're going to 100 million, this is good. What does that mean to get to 100 million? I mean, it's a nice round number. Yep. What does that mean, why?
0: Well, I've actually calculated how much money I need to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Okay. Um, so number one, I know uh, all those dollars are accounted for already. Hold on. But
1: what do you want to accomplish, I guess, is the, is the question as well.
0: Yeah. So there are, actually two, there are actually three things I want to accomplish with that uh, outcome. And I don't call it a goal. I call it a commitment. Okay. Uh, one of them is personal. I unabashedly like to live well, I do. So 10 million of it is just for living well. Homes, I love to collect art. The the fortunate thing is most things I'll personally buy with it or appreciable assets. So at some later date, they'll get sold and there'll be more money from it. i just get to use the money to do something I find fun in the meantime. Uh, The majority of it, 90 million is to fund my nonprofit constantly be funding it and, and also other causes that I believe in. And then the part that is perhaps the biggest driver is to take the journey and who I have to become to achieve that outcome. That's the part that that's what gets me up in the morning. And and it's the kind of clients I work with is they want to become and achieve something far beyond where they are today. If it's a little step, I actually, I just at a point I can't even, I don't want their money. I don't wanna work with people who have a little view of life. I wanna unlock people who have a big goal because the big outcomes are first, and you know this because of all the stuff you've achieved in athlete, as an athlete, they're not only more exciting and motivating, I contend they're easier to achieve than a small outcome because a small outcome is uh, boring. It's not motivating. It's not exciting. You don't have to be on your A game to achieve it. And as a result, you typically don't even achieve it because you don't have to play full out. But when you're playing for something big, you don't have a choice but to play full out. There is no other option, but that turns you into a new person with new capabilities, with a new vision. And then you become a model for other people that, yes, this is possible. Let me show you the way. This is what I figured out. You can do the same thing. It's not like we're sitting here and you and I are unique people, although we have our uniqueness. I think we're more modelers for other people about what's possible.
1: That's, I mean, we, we learn from other people. We know that we do that. I I always say that uh, we know who inspires us, but we don't necessarily know who we inspire. And and so sometimes we do. You work with a whole lot of people, so you might actually know who you inspire. But it's it's interesting the commitment. It's interesting the big goal. It's interesting publishing, publish uh, publishing that big goal. You're telling other people you know that they know that you know that they know, and then you're like, okay, now I'm held to this. But being held to that standard it's this is this is when you're alive this is when you're playing for all of the marbles it's uh what was that line from from matt damon in uh in rounders where he's like that's where i was really i mean he was saying it to his girlfriend which didn't go over all that well but that playing at the poker table that's when he was really alive that everything everything actually really mattered to him does fear play a role In this, you say that it's a commitment, it's not a goal. Where does fear fit into this whole thing?
0: Yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, Fear does fit into it. uh, As I'm writing this new book, I'm creating a new model. So I'm actually taking and trying it out on me and I'm trying it out with people I have in a group, you know, like, oh, okay, so let's see how this works. Let's see how that works. And one of the things I'm playing around with this week is actually the feelings that come up when we think about any of these seven money mindsets which require change.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the feelings that keep us stuck as opposed to moving forward and creating this new change, whether it's an abundance belief or it's a shift in our identity, or it's owning that there's things that are possible that we've been telling ourselves were impossible. And What I'm finding with myself and what I just found with a group that I I train uh, this week is that the feelings of unresolved childhood BS or what's coming up for me, and it was what was coming up for them as well. So here I was with a group that paid a fair amount to be with me. They're very committed. And for every one of them we were talking, it ended up the coaching topic was not money. Um, But for every one of them, it became, oh, what was stopping them from going to the next level was their fear of receiving more money. Mm
1: -hmm. I thought, well,
0: this is interesting. And then that unravels to unresolved childhood stuff that one of the reasons someone, whether it's at a million or a hundred million or a billion, and they're not 10 times that right now, is that parts of their mind and parts of their internal feelings are stuck at seven years old or whatever age it is, right? And that that stuff has not been released yet.
1: So there's we're still unworthy.
0: playing that game inside unconsciously.
1: Playing that game unconsciously. And so, so effectively, in a lot of ways, they are unworthy. I mean, you've told us your story to a certain extent. So you're that seventh grade kid in the remedial class which effectively in some ways is telling you that you're stupid, right? And, you know, through the, through the mind of a 13 year old, right? This,
0: they put me here because I'm stupid. And, uh, and, and, and that was part of, at the end of the year, I went, well, wait a minute, I'm not stupid. Right. I can figure this out and I'm not willing to, to live here anymore, which was a profound and probably the you know, the first major pivot in my life was at five, making the declaration, one day I'm going to be a millionaire. And it was bang, like that. And, and, and it was, how are we going to solve this problem? We don't have food. You know, we're all my parents are always arguing over money. I'm already tired. At, at five, I was already tired of it because it was going on like all day long, right? And I said, well, we're going to solve this problem. And then in the seventh grade, I go, well, we're going to solve this problem of being In class because it was actually painful because the teachers you know who gets to teach the remedial classes for the most point i can just tell you from experience it's remedial level teachers they don't put the smart i'm sure there are places they're very smart teachers who volunteer and want to do this but i did not have very smart teachers right i even had one teacher
1: uh, My father started in special ed, started teaching in special ed, and I certainly would put him up there as, as someone who, who you'd want to listen to. But I, I will go with your experience. You have more experience. Yeah, so I had a
0: history teacher, American history. And um, for a guy in a remedial class, she made me teach the class for six weeks. She didn't even teach. The, and I had to make up the tests. And I'm in a remedial class, and I'm thinking, God, huh, something's wrong with this, right? And, and I didn't even get a freaking A, right? And, and I had to teach every day. I had to come with lesson plans. I, it was a bizarre situation. I don't know how she got by with that, but today it probably wouldn't work. Um, but, but yes, it is about unlocking your, your inner potential. But That inner potential, you know, when people work with me, I haven't figured out the best way to express this because I say I'm a mindset, you know, limitless mindset, but every person I coach goes, oh, wow, this is way beyond mindset. And it is, it's about consciousness, layers of consciousness. And that's why the matrix, I think, appeals to me as well, is that we have this matrix, which is our conventional view of reality which is the one, by the way, that keeps you from being a millionaire or 10 million or a hundred or a billionaire because you don't get there thinking conventionally usually. And then it's like, but wait a minute. I kept watching the movie and there was that one moment where I realized, you know, because my favorite part of the movie is the last 10 minutes where, where Neil becomes the one. But I went, here's where the movie fails as much as I love it, is it does the same thing that we've done throughout history there's this one person religion does it right there's this one person and i'm going wait a minute we're all the one we're all neo and when i had that insight that was really powerful and i said that's what the movie did wrong is it it lived the myth that there's this one person With special powers, no. We all are the one. We all can become Neo, and that's what limitless mindset to me is all about: is that we all have that potential. How high do you want to play?
1: But it's a matter of going back to a certain extent and reprogramming out the limit.
0: Yeah. So you have to allow as you as I start working with someone, that stuff's all going to come up, and and that's okay because that's 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 what's running it in underneath the conscious level and there you are being a billionaire and you can't figure out why you're getting the 10 billionaire and part of you is still thinking as strange as it would sound on paper like well that shouldn't be going on but no this is the human journey it does go on so are you tapping into the
1: psychology part i mean you have your jd you have your mba I have a masters in psychology is this what you were doing when you started working with your father out of college in your trucking in the in the trucking company right in the, in the citrus yeah. company is that how were you tapping into the psychology part
0: well here's what i was tapping into because i've looked back i mean i took what was basically a bankrupt company turned around and made it very successful and i really was focused on two things one I didn't know it at the time, but i had done things like I was a 19-year-old senior in college with the four, taking 21 credits. And I can tell you the only way you can do that is you're very systemized. I could tell you two weeks from now at 7 p.m. what I was. The course I was going to be studying because I had it mapped out. I had, when you're taking that many courses, I have an hour for this course, and I had to finish the homework. So it's like, you know, it's always putting me up against the bar. But I was very systemized. So I immediately started systemizing everything. But the other one, and it's one of the seven money mindsets I teach is flow money mindset. I had naturally learned how to get into flow. And in that flow state, the synchronicity of things started coming together. When I go, oh, that's, that's the answer I need, right? What do you mean by flow state? Okay, so for me, flow state is that state where you are one with the energy in that the, you, are, you are one with the natural flow of energy and the direction in which it's headed. So you surrender into this flow state. And I have a three-step process for doing that. Um, at the time, I was just doing it naturally. I'd never analyzed it because I wanted to learn how to teach it to people ultimately. And then synchronicity starts happening. And synchronicity is like, You open a book and the paragraph you read is the answer you were looking for. Or you end up on a phone call with somebody and it's the person you need to be talking to. It's how I live and run my entire business. And it works at such a high high level at this point that one of the biggest problems I'm facing right now is how to assemble the right team because the level of opportunities that are coming to me are so high and so frequently. It's like what to do with them all so i have I have a problem of overabundance as opposed to lack, right? Right. and And so, but that's what flow uh, takes you. And so I was naturally seeing, oh, this is direction. Like after four months, we had all this equipment, we were having uh, repair companies repair it, and we'd take the equipment to them. And I was already realizing, oh, my God, that the piece of equipment is down for a week. We've lost all this productivity. We're paying them too much money. And I started another company four months in. You know, it's a little 23-year-old. And I started a maintenance company and hired two maintenance people and hired a, uh, rented out a maintenance facility. And now we started doing all of our own stuff. And, and the costs went th- through the floor and the profit started growing. And um, that followed after three months. I was analyzing all of the numbers because I've always been a numbers person and I spent the whole week and I couldn't figure out how we were pulling this many loads, bringing in this kind of revenue and every week we couldn't pay our bills. And then I had the startling, but it's a flow synchronicity. It's like, oh, we're charging too little. And so I called up all our, uh, unfortunately, there was a a lack of uh, trucks in our um, particular niche. So I I didn't know at the time how I had that leverage going with me, but I just figured I got people the next day to raise their rates as much as 25%. I said, we can't keep hauling for you. And they needed us. I said, we're being paid too little. And I renegotiated in a very short period of time, all of our rates. And then we've got much higher revenues. We've got much lower expenses, and, oh, that gap in between became cash flow and profits. So within four months, we went from losing a ton of money to to making a lot of money and moving in the right direction. But that was also going with the flow of seeing the natural course of events and just being with that and seeing where it went. Flow is an
1: interesting concept because I know you meditate as well. And, and, and meditation is actually the state that our, that our mind and our body wants to get to, but, but the flow part, it's, it's hard to, it's hard. It can be, it can be challenging sometimes to get there, to achieve that sort of level of, of flow, because we have, we we have, we have whatever barriers that we've, that we've created uh, in order to get there. Sport is, is a similar kind of way that oftentimes we are our own worst enemy that, the more we try to think about something, the less we're actually able to do what we're supposed to do. The, you know, in some ways it's, it's kind of like watching a cat jump, right? Where they're, where, where they are so good at not having the opposing muscles engaged and they can do these phenomenal things. And you look at, it, wow, that is absolutely amazing. So is this some of where this idea of flow is? It's almost, in some ways it almost sounds like you're saying like, the flow is achieved in not taking yourself too seriously.
0: No, well, the flow is achieved. It's not the not taking yourself seriously. It's being willing to surrender yourself. Okay, so similar kind of thing. The first step in getting into flow that I teach, and this is how uh, I, I wrote it when I wrote the book, but now I'll be writing it differently, and that is being present. But what I've realized from so many of the states that I've visited, including states where I can see past, present, and future simultaneously, um, and in which time goes backwards and forwards in these, some of these states, is that it's really not about being present. It's about being surrendered into the now. And that now is different than present because present's on a timeline, past, present, future. But now is without time. It's no time and it's when you allow yourself to surrender into no time. Being in now. That's when you start to interflow.
1: How do you reconcile? Su- surrendering yourself into into no time with the idea of expectations.
0: That's a great question. Um, well, I actually have two states of flow, Um, most people only teach one, because I wanted to answer that question. I wanted to create a model that would answer it because I like to create models. So when you want to create an outcome, and I actually looked at what athletes were doing to get clues for how to do this, is that it's actually a seven step model. And I just want to say that you start off with flow. You get into that flow situation. So flow to me is the the way to approach your, your day in business, the way to approach life, right? But then you have that conscious focused action. You have a mindset of outcome, but the outcome arises from being in flow. And you get there with greater speed, a whole lot less, a whole lot more ease by starting out in flow as opposed to starting out in what might best be called effort. So you're not efforting, you're flowing. And when you think of Michael Phelps, cause I was a swimmer in high school. So um, I find Michael Phelps uh, very interesting, you know because of how much he's achieved. But if we go back to London where he won the breaststroke in one, one hundredth of a second. And the difference is he reached rather than taking another stroke. And at a deep level, he was, I guarantee you in very deep flow, because this is beyond the conscious mind making a decision. He simply in flow, reached out and touched the pad. And had he done anything else, he probably wouldn't have placed.
1: And was that the breaststroke or was that the butterfly?
0: I thought it was was the breaststroke, but. But you're the athlete, so I I could be have told this story wrong all this time. I don't know.
1: I I feel like he didn't swim the breaststroke. That's the only reason I ask. But uh, but it's interesting that you mentioned because that loops back to so much of what you have talked about. His coach has talked about how Michael was an amazing visual, uh, did a lot of visualization, like knew exactly what he was going to do within each part of the race. And, and it's why he was successful he had his he had his goggles uh, what crack or something like that in one and his everything was his eyes were full of water and couldn't really see and it might have even been that race that you're talking about and 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 his his coach actually would throw these kind of obstacles in front of him where he'd steal his goggles or or he'd show up late to pick him up so that so causing all this anxiety and preparing him for that moment but i think what's interesting in the flow having, you know, I mean, I think we've all experienced it to a certain extent is when we, when we know that this is the right action in that moment, as opposed to the thinking, oh, if I do this, oh, but that person's doing that. And I need to do this to counteract that. And then you've lost any sense of of your personal performance or, or your place in space, I guess, space and time and meaning. And, uh, and so, so it's interesting that you talk about the, the Michael Phelps thing, but, uh, but how do you take this sense of this sense of flow? And I mean, it sounds like you're great at it, but how do you help other people to achieve a sense of flow this this idea of surrender is almost something that makes sense in
0: hindsight more than it does in foresight so i'll give you the three steps and that'll be actually the answer because i teach it to people and people learn it very quickly okay so the first one that i'm now calling now surrender into the now is a process of letting go of your ego and And you don't even have to think about that part. All you have to do is, it's amazing how quickly, you don't have to meditate, it helps. Mm -hmm. What I found is if I take people, guide them through three deep breaths, which takes less than a minute, they have a profound state change. And they begin the process of being in this now. And then the second step is being open. So I go, I, when I was arranging the book, I rearranged it, there are 14 chapters. I have no idea how many times. Uh, and I have a chapter on how to be more productive and how to structure your day, which is the kind of the opposite concept of flow while where things are kind of almost in, in a mystical way unfolding and, and with, without expectation because you don't know what the next minute's gonna be. And so I said, well, how am I going to arrange these? So I ended up with that, this, the one on productivity and how to structure your day and maximize your productivity being chapter six and flow being chapter seven. So I had flow come after it. And in the first paragraph of that chapter, I said, so, you know, in essence, so now you know how to structure your day. And by the way, you may end up just throwing it all away. It's okay. Because in flow, everything shifts like that. So there's a great deal of importance in creating strategic plans, whether it's for your day, your week, your month, your your year, whatever. But in flow, the second one is being open to there being a better new possibility that you know nothing about. And the example I give is that you have a 90-day outcome. I love arranging things in 90-day periods. And all of a sudden, you meet somebody and you realize you can get there in a day, because they've got the golden goose that you didn't even know existed. So you thought that you had to take these 90 days of steps to get there. And it's reasonable to have done that. And because you did that, you have a better understanding of where it is you're going. And that even helps you when you meet the person that has the golden goose and by golly, you just lay the 100 eggs today.
1: So can you give me an example of, of what that means? So like you're, you're mapping out your 90 days, right? This is where you want to go. And then somebody has the golden goose has the key has whatever it is.
0: Okay. So so right, right now I have some new coaching programs. Okay. Right. That I've put together um, that I'm just rolling out. And so I'm putting together the plan of how I get these new coaching clients right? So I'm actually working Friday all day on it, right? But I know how this stuff works. And I could meet somebody, I'm looking for 10 clients for the specific coaching program, who actually has all 10 of them. Mm -hmm. I could meet them tomorrow when I'm interviewing five people on my podcast, right? That's an example. But if you're not open, if you've like already pre-decided in a very rigid way, which does not work well for an expansive mindset, that this is the way you have to get there because you've been working on the plan, you will not even notice the golden goose when you see it. But if you stay in this loose place that, yeah, I got a plan. I'll give you an example. When I sold the companies, I spent a year and a half planning a three-year journey, but the first four months was going to be in the United States going to Canada. And and I had sold my house real quickly. I wanted to sell my house. I didn't want any attachments. I I wanted to move on, right? Put everything in storage. And so I was staying at my dad's place. And here I literally had this four-month journey because that was how I was thinking then, day by day where I was gonna be, where I was gonna stay, the kind of activities I was gonna do for four months. And a hundred miles into the journey, I came to a place, I was leaving Florida. So I was on I-75 and you come to I-10. So I-10 goes east-west and I-75 goes north. My plan called for me to continue north. And about 10 minutes before I got to I-10, I started having this strong sense I should go east on I-10. And Which doesn't go this,
1: nearly as far, right? I mean, if you're going north, you can go along the
0: coast and everything. Right. And by the time I got there, I had made a new decision because it was so strong. In me. And therefore, metaphorically, I didn't litter the roads, folks, but it was all written out. I threw my whole plan away. Now, I ended up in a lot of the same cities, but in a totally different order, which also means I had a different experience from them because I'd had a different experience the day before. It changed my entire experience of this entire four-month journey because I listened to this inner intuition, which is very connected to flow. And I said, I don't think that's the direction I'm going to flow. I think I'm going to go this direction. Right? Change the whole thing. And that's exactly what I mean is make the plan because there's a lot to be learned from studying all those details that you'll utilize, probably. But be open to the plan unfolding completely differently. And then the third part is to be authentic, which is best understood as making decisions. And when you make them go, does this feel real? Does this feel right for me? Um, Do I have an internal kinesthetic that this is the right direction? I have traveled the world, well, five continents and 40 countries, mainly by myself, because the the more I learned how to travel, I realized I love traveling by myself because I would immerse myself and meet so many people. I experienced it differently than if I went with somebody. I have never once been mugged, had any problems, gotten held up because I'll go out in a Major city, and it's midnight, and I'm looking down alleys, and I go, nope. If some people are coming towards me, and I go, nope, you don't want to have an encounter with these people. I just cross the street, mm-hmm. but I pay attention to that almost antenna-like flow that's going on, and because I pay attention to it, I stay out of trouble, and I have great experiences, and find things that weren't on my list because I go, oh you turn left here that looks kind of like an interesting street and then you find all the stuff you weren't going to find otherwise that's being in flow so it's um it's not not having outcomes but it's being open for all of its shifting and accepting this is a hypothesis cannot prove it but i have a lot of experience that says it's probably true for me and other people but when you're allowing this flow to occur, that things begin to happen in a way that are in not just my highest and best use, but the highest and best value of others. And and I believe the whole humanity because I'm having the exact experiences that are right for my journey. And things are going to open up and possibilities begin to happen that I knew nothing about 10 minutes before. And that's the magic of life. And there is a magic to all of this when we allow ourselves to experience and The magic is, is, is miracles.
1: It's interesting when you talk about this because it's, it's the flow, it's the letting go. It's, it's the intuition. We started with, with your company with Conscious Millionaire. Is there a, is there a commodity that is, that is the most important, whether that's flow or time or, money or intuition or insight or something like that, that, that is kind of the key that opens this whole thing.
0: It is um, coming to forever new stages and experiences of, of awareness, because from the best of my experiences, and I've had a lot of very profound spiritual experiences that ultimately is which is and here i mean all that is is just pure awareness
1: so pure awareness so so in a lot of ways it's the openness to to wherever you're going does that does that
0: seem accurate it's the being part
1: you know
0: it yeah the being part uh, and in fact that's one of my seven money mindsets it's the seventh one is being is that most people especially in western societies spend you know i think about my mba we didn't talk about being when there's chaos we talked about oh we got to take control of this chaos stuff which is which i have learned is a completely ridiculous idea and actually impossible um, instead of just being with it and noticing where the chaos is unfolding, which is to a new, new place. It's like the caterpillar going through the chaos of metamorphosis. And then there's a butterfly, right? Well, you won't discover, you won't discover the butterfly. If you try to kill the caterpillar during metamorphosis okay. yeah. and the same thing happens in your business and life. It's like, no, this chaos is always leading to a greater whole. It's, I've never experienced chaos that leads to a worse hole. It ultimately leads to a greater hole. The whole world right now is going, you know, and I've been talking to a lot of people about this and talking in interviews. I believe between now and the end of this decade, the entire world is going to go through a deep chaos. We're certainly going through chaos in this country. You're going through chaos in Russia and Ukraine and in Europe. It's going to be everywhere. If you look at it from the outside, it looks like everything is messed up. But if you trust that there's a conscious world evolving from this, the butterfly is coming and you think about, well, this is just the rearranging of things. So they will be in a higher order and that that's really where we're going. And that to me is also part of being in the flow. People are going to, people who are going to succeed at the highest levels, levels that might right now be unimaginable to them are going to live in that flow. And the people who are not going to uh, to do well in this chaos, because it's getting, it's its just, you know, like we're beginning to see, look at what's happening in this country. It is a mess. I don't think we, and I, You know, I'm leaving that just like that. You interpret it however you want, but it's a mess. Uh, The people who try to control that or the people who live in fear, oh my gosh, look how messed up things are getting. It's going to be more messed up tomorrow are not going to do well as we get more chaotic on the outside from looking in. Hmm. But if you trust the process and you stay in flow, you'll find the path that's right for you. And your business your life your relationships and that to me is the path through this to the conscious a higher ground
1: so so there's a lot of there's a lot of belief there's a there's a faith there's a there's a trust trust and a willingness to sort of suspend comprehension in some ways
0: too well to realize that there's more than the appearance that it's only an appearance of chaos But at a deeper level, it's an evolution that's occurring. Okay,
1: cool. Well, I think we've got to stop, unfortunately, there. But JV, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an an exciting journey.
0: Well, thank you so much. And and I wish everybody uh, listening um, that you um, choose to live in flow because it is a much more peaceful and productive and exciting way to live life.
1: Yes, if we can stop getting in our own way, we'd, we'd be doing something pretty well, I think. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. The greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. If you've enjoyed your time here, please tell your friends to tune in. We'll have another great guest next week. Please follow us. Please like us. And we will look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks a ton. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Whitehall Living it for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and
0: Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.